What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Facade. This week is episode number 113, and that means the number 13 is in there. And to a couple of people, especially those of you who are investing in cryptocurrency, this is a pretty unlucky week. I've been watching it very closely, and, uh, and it's just, it's breached a level that a lot of people didn't think it would be possible to breach. If you, if you follow Bitcoin, I mean, obviously there's thousands of altcoins out there at the moment, but if you follow Bitcoin in particular, there's a thing called the halving. And every couple of years, they have this halving event. And there was this belief that it was not possible for Bitcoin to go below the point at which it went and it halved, okay? And that means that the, the number of Bitcoin that are going to be in circulation is now half of what it previously was. So there's this belief that it's not going to go below 19,000. And as of today, I, I was watching it earlier, it hit 17,500, so it has gone way below that. And so um, the big question is, what does this mean for the real estate market? You are listening to Behind the Facade, and I'm your host, Gavin J. Gallagher. On this podcast, I explore the mental and emotional game often playing out subconsciously, both in your mind and the mind of everyone else in the real estate or property investment market. The key to success in this game is to master your mindset and your behavior, to take control of your thoughts, your emotions, and most importantly, your ego. Welcome to the show. All right, guys, before we get into the main event today, I just want to give you a quick announcement about an event that I'm hosting in uh, the next week. All right. So Saturday next, the 25th of June at uh, 2 p.m., I'm going to be having a, a talk, a kind of an in-person meetup and presentation, and it's going to be open to anybody who wants to show up. And that is going to be um, on the current state of the real estate market and the various sort of insights I have about how to uh, play your cards in this market and how to prepare yourself. So that event is going to be on in the Sandy Mount Hotel, which is very near to the Aviva Stadium in uh, on Lansdowne Road. It's, it's just off Lansdowne Road. It's not far away. The Sandy Mount Hotel. Anyway, two o'clock. I would suggest that you arrive around 30 minutes earlier so we can have a bit of registration at about 1.30. But I'm going to do about an hour's talk starting from 2, and I, then I'll do a bit of a Q&A, and I'll have a bit of a meet and greet afterwards. So if you guys are interested in that, I'm going to be posting details of it on the Facebook group. But for those of you who are not in the Facebook group, big crime that is, you should be in the Facebook group. But if you are not, just remember, 2 p.m., the Sandy Mount Hotel, Dublin 4, uh, next Saturday, the 25th of June. And by 3.30, it'll all be done because I have something else that I'm doing at 3.30. All right, as Gary Vaynerchuk would say, let's get into the show. And I've been watching Bitcoin and I've been watching Ethereum for quite a few years now. The first time I set my, I even heard of Bitcoin is back in 2013, uh, I was at a barbecue in Spain and a couple of my friends were big into Bitcoin and stuff like that. And they were even into it back then. And they had suggested that we should go and buy some of this Bitcoin back when it was priced at $90 per Bitcoin. 
And then a couple of years later, one of those same guys that was at that barbecue, I met him in London. We had a lunch and during lunch, he was telling me about this other cryptocurrency called Ethereum. And he told me all about how it had gone up through this massive you know, increase in value recently. And it was around about the same price. It was around about $90 per Ethereum. And uh, that was in 2017 or thereabouts. And I can remember at the time thinking, damn, I've missed the boat on those investments. And so I didn't really pile in. Now, I have over the years invested in crypto, in Ethereum and in Bitcoin, but I haven't been in, you know, making loads and loads of money. And um, it's just something that I, I'm paying attention to the real estate market. I like to dabble a little bit in other things, but once you're kind of focused on something, I think you have to kind of go all in and it's hard to stay abreast of so many different investment uh, assets and stuff out there. So anyway, I've been watching Bitcoin and Ethereum for the last couple of years and just astonished at the growth of it and just wondering, like, why on earth didn't I jump in at the time and, uh, and make a big investment? But you see, what you've got to remember is, and I've told, I've shared my story before, but what you've got to remember is that I, that was the kind of behavior that I used to adopt before. And I got my fingers burnt having that kind of attitude. And when you're thinking about making an investment, you start to become just a little bit more cautious after you've been badly burnt. And, uh, and so that is now, obviously, I'm a bit older, I'm a bit wiser, I hope so anyway. But as the prices reached the stratosphere, like 65,000 for Bitcoin, and I think Ethereum has, hit, has gone just over 4,000 per Ethereum, I is issued a warning way back when those things happened. And that was actually, if you want to go back and check, episode number 93, we actually discussed this. And believe it or not, I actually got quite a bit of flack from that warning. And people were messaging me that I don't know what I'm talking about, that I haven't a clue, all of this kind of stuff. And anyway, fast forward to today, and I've just been looking at my phone, and Ethereum today hit 879, and Bitcoin today hit $17,567 per Bitcoin. So if you had invested up at where the average investor has gotten in, I think the average investor has gotten in at something like $44,000. And even if they got in at half that, you're still you know, down quite badly now on your investment. And so it's, um, I don't claim to be an expert, by the way, on crypto in any shape or form, nor the stock market. I mean, I know my stuff from years and years in the real estate market, but what I do pay close attention to is human behavior. And I pay attention to just the way stocks and crypto and real estate moves based on sentiment and based on prevailing kind of attitudes towards the asset. And the last couple of years, it's there's no doubt, like uh, if you look at Bitcoin or Ethereum, there's all these fanboys that are out there that are absolutely, completely focused on those investments. Now, just to give you an idea, this is not just crypto, by the way. NFTs are another one. I actually was looking recently and I hear that um, the first tweet that Jack Dorsey ever put out in uh, Twitter, that actually was turned into an NFT. And he, it was sold for $2.9 million at the time, this NFT. And they recently put it up on the market for sale to try to sell it. And they, they listed it at $25 million. So they were hoping to get 10x or a little bit under 10x the money that they put into this investment. 
and they fail to get bids above $14,000. Now that gives you an idea of just how badly that investment has fallen. And I'm not saying that NFTs per se are a bad idea, but what you've got to do is look at the utility of the asset and then look at the attitude of the people that are buying it. Like, are the people buying it, are they looking at it from a value perspective or are they just looking at it from a kind of greed perspective? If you buy a property and you can rent out six of the rooms and you can make a nice return on your investment, um, worst case scenario, you lose a couple of tenants, you can actually move into the property and actually you have the utility of being able to use it yourself. You have the utility of obviously finding other people to move into it. It can be used as shelter. There's got multiple utility, but most of all, it is an, a source of income and wealth storage for you. In the case of an NFT, it doesn't produce an income. I certainly, I don't know of any that are producing an income. I guess you could look at a, an NFT and somebody could charge you for that, that benefit, but there's not too many of those out there. And so look, I'm not gonna knock the whole NFT concept, but the idea that these things can go up 10x in value in the space of a year, it's just what it's, what it's based on is, and uh, as Bill Gates put it recently, and he was having a bit of a go at the uh, NFT and the crypto market, is that it's based on the, the bigger fool theory. And that is that you will always be able to find somebody to sell your asset to who's a bigger fool than you are. And nobody wants to admit that, but that is actually, there's no underlying value. You're actually just basing it on the fact that the market is hot, it keeps on rising. If I buy it for X, I can sell it for X plus 25%. The guy who buys it for X plus 25% will hope to sell it for X plus 50%. The guy who buys that will hope to sell it for X plus 75%. You know, it just goes up and up and up. But at some point, the party comes to an end. And in 2008, it was the property market that went through that rude awakening, we'll say. I said that I got a lot of flack, okay? And um, what I think the problem is here, and this is something that I think you've all got to ask yourself, and in fact, I ask my own self this as well, is in, in the case of the crypto boys or the, the fan boys, we'll say, those guys that, you know, they turn their Twitter profile into one where they have laser eyes. And that is a, a saying that you're going to hold forever on your Bitcoin. And I think an awful lot of those people are being challenged for that at the moment. And what they do not seem to realize is that they are effectively in an echo chamber. And I joined a crypto uh, investment group on Telegram recently. And there's a couple of hundred people in this and they're all mad keen on investing in crypto. And I, I just went into silently like, you know, learn from these people that were investing and it was very very obvious that these were like super enthusiastic super optimistic about the future of crypto and all that but also super protective and very very argumentative when you put if you sort of come up with any kind of an idea that is not completely supportive of crypto now i guess you, you know you expect a little bit of that if you're in a group but the reality is, is if you're not able to express your opinion without fear of getting kind of attacked from all sides, then you're just going to keep your opinion to yourself. And so the only thing going around in this group is positive sentiment about crypto. And if that's what it is, then all you're hearing is the same thing. And that means you're in an echo chamber. Now, there's another name for an echo chamber. It's called groupthink. 
and group think is when you're part of a group and everyone is working together and say they're all working very hard or they're or they're all kind of trying to do well and uh, a kind of an idea or a concept or a philosophy starts to kind of prevail and it becomes clear that anything that does not kind of support that philosophy becomes unwelcome information and so you've seen that in the uh, i've seen it in industry as well where car manufacturers they're making a car and there's all this big group and somebody in that group sees that there's a problem with what they're designing but rather than speak up they kind of think if i speak up everyone's going to be angry at me that i've kind of come up with something negative and so they just keep it and they bury their feelings and they bury their opinions and if this is something that you know is happening inside a group then the group is not serving you it's not of any value all you're getting is this repetitive it's great you should invest and stuff and that is exactly the kind of positive feedback loop that most property investors were, were caught in back in 2005 2006 2007 we were all investing like crazy in the property market and nobody could see you know there was warnings coming out from economists there's an, an economist here in ireland called david mac williams and he came out and said that this was all going to collapse to zero or not to zero but huge collapse in the values and i can remember the next day he was being attacked by the property industry and that is because he had said something that none of us liked to hear and maybe it was a truth that we weren't prepared to accept but we actually all kind of came out to refute him and to tell him that he was crazy and that he didn't know anything he was talking about as it turns out he was entirely correct and more power to him but there's a, a just to give you an example there is a youtuber that i follow his name is coffee zilla okay strange name but that's the name he goes by and he makes these videos where he talks about the internet scams and frauds and all of this kind of stuff that's out there not just frauds he talks about lots of different things but that's what a lot of the videos that i've been watching cover and he's just recently covered the collapse of the luna uh, ust cryptocurrency when it's gone to kind of pretty much zero and now he's been talking about celsius which is this uh, it's effectively a crypto bank that opened that was lending money based on and you could stake a certain amount of your crypto in there and they would lend it out and you'd earn interest and all like interesting concept don't have a problem with the concept but looks like what it basically has been is just one big great ponzi scheme because in order to pay i mean the interest rates that were being paid were like 20 percent and in order to pay 20 percent the actual coins that are there they're not earning anything they don't have rent or they don't have earnings like a company or anything they're just there and the way the 20 percent was being paid was it was coming from new people coming in and investing their stuff and that stuff that they were investing in or that they were staking that stuff was being lent out and um and that stuff then the money that was being turned into into value that would be given to these people as the kind of interest rate and uh, somebody anyway came out and basically highlighted that this was like effectively a ponzi scheme the owner of the company or the ceo came out and attacked everybody 24 hours later they froze the entire um the ability to take your money out and so there's an awful lot of people out there that are possibly going to lose everything because you are an unsecured creditor in the event that, that company goes bankrupt now what's the point of this well coffee zilla was pointing out the fact 
of this, like the fact that this was all, you know, a risk and that you're, you know, really at, at, at risk. And he was pointing at some of the things that had gone on in the past. Apparently the CFO has been charged with fraud in the past. Then some other person has been charged with money laundering. There's all this kind of real red flags that are there. And instead of the Telegram group that I'm in seeing this as a, a service that he's doing to kind of highlight these things, I actually saw the, the, the thing that I hate CoffeeZilla. And it, it makes you just wonder, like, you know, where are these guys getting their news? Is it from all these pump and dumpers that are out there? I was looking at another chap talking about crypto and he's been pumping it for a long time. I can't remember his name now, but he talks, he has a channel that every couple of days he comes out and he talks about the latest coin that you should buy and how much you should invest. And he's always talking about how many millions that he has made. And this past few days, he put out a video. And what did he say? I'm buying millions in Bitcoin and I'm buying millions in Ethereum. And he's putting loads of money in and you should too. And of course, you know, if you can kind of see outside, if you can look at this objectively, you can see that here is a guy that's desperately trying to pump the, the price of his investment back up again. And so by giving this advice, he hopes that his audience will start buying back in and it's not buying back in. So it does seem like the sentiment has changed quite significantly. And you just have to ask yourself, do you have a subjective opinion or an objective opinion on the investment? If it's subjective, it means that it's all coming from inside, that you don't have any kind of external objective, somebody who would have an alternative opinion. You need to go out and seek those alternative opinions. And don't be afraid to debate whether an asset or whether an investment is good or not. I mean, you should, if you are confident in your decision to invest in a certain type of asset, well then go and debate it with somebody who has the opposite view. If it's a good investment, then you should be able to convince the other person that you have a good point. But if you can't do that, if you can't change that person's mind, and if he can't change your mind, then you have to question why you're at such opposing views. Is there absolutely no aspect of your argument that this guy can accept? Is there no aspect of his argument that you can accept? I don't think anything is black and white. I think there's a lot of gray out there. And if you're seeing things as black and white, then there's a risk that you are lost in your um, thesis and you have no objectivity and you only want to hear the good news that kind of supports your opinion. Now, there's another name for this, and I've gone into it many times before. You know what it is, continuity bias. Now, I've done two or three episodes of this podcast where I talk about continu or cognitive bias. Continuity bias is that bias where you have a tendency to play down threats and risks and you don't really want to hear information that is contrary to the opinion you've already formed. And it also is where you, you just assume that the market is going to continue on. Now, for many people out there, this happened in 1999 when the dot-com crash, the first one, happened. It happened in 2007 when everything went belly up in America in the, in the, in the crash. And it seems to be happening again now. But what happened in those crashes, and I was privy to that because I was a person who did not want to believe the property market was collapsing. Um, a lot of those people who have investments now just do not want to accept that they're going to lose it all. They're just going to, you're stuck in that echo chamber 
and you're hearing all these people hoping that they're not in the trouble that they really are. Um, now, let's just be objective for a moment, uh, given the discussion. Like, let's leave cryptocurrency aside and just ask ourselves as a community, are we possibly in an echo chamber ourselves? I mean, I don't like the idea that I am not objective anymore. I like to think that I, you know, open my eyes and I pay attention. But I have been out there saying that the demand and supply imbalances in the market are such that I think the market, certainly the Irish market, I'm not an expert in other markets, so I'm not going to talk about those on this particular case. I can see the US housing market is starting to fall quite rapidly. And there's a huge amount of inventory coming on the market. Uh, I don't know much about the UK market. I would say that uh, people are starting to feel the pinch with interest rates increasing. But here in Ireland, I know that we have a massive, massive housing shortage. And so I do think that will help to, to prop up the market. But at the same time, I'm highly conscious of the fact that the ECB, um, which sets the interest rates in this country, it has not changed its rate, it, its rates, uh, has not lifted its rates for something like 11 years. And the fact that that is now happening has to make you wonder whether it's going to, it will impact interest rates. And when people start to see interest rates increase, is that going to just sort of make the market difficult to get into? You might be, you might want to buy property and you might have a need to buy it. The demand might still be there. But if you can't afford the mortgage, if you can't afford the payments, then you are going to be restricted from access to that market. And just by having less people in the market, the demand might still be there, but the actual effective demand that can actually participate in the market might be reduced. So I just want to kind of open my eyes to that and sort of think, mm, okay, because we're all listening to one another. We're all sort of, a lot of the guests that I've had on this podcast in the last few months, I've asked about the inflation question. Um, I've said, you know, is inflation going to push up interest rates? Is it going to affect the market? And almost every single one of them to a T has said that they don't think so. And, uh, and that's fair enough. But I don't know. I'm starting to wonder whether the affordability issue will start to come under um, some question and people will start to wonder if you're, you know, if you're finding it hard to afford your petrol to heat your home, your groceries are all going up as well at the same time. And then on top of that, you're looking at mortgage increases. That's going to, you know, hold you back a little bit from making any kind of big investment decisions. And it happened in 2008. Could it happen again? Um, I'm not so sure it's going to happen like 2008, but I do think that there could be definitely a softening of the market. And the biggest way to avoid losses and to protect yourself from, from these kind of losses is do not live in denial. Like, open your eyes. I am definitely a realist in this situation. I believe that there is a chance that the market will be impacted as opposed to having blind faith that it'll continue to rise. We've had this continuous rise for the last five or six years, even closer to 10 years, if you think about it. And everything has to eventually stop rising. And usually there's a bit of a fallback. So anyway, another thing to bear in mind, and I'm going to go back in time and just kind of analyze some of the mistakes that I made in the past. And one of the big ones is that if you've been monitoring the health of your 
you know, your bank balance and your, and your wealth, and you've been kind of tracking it, you're going to see the, you know, these fluctuations and you're going to be remembering that at some point you were worth X and whatever that number is, I can remember back in 2006, 2007, I can remember having my net worth statement and I put it down all my investments and I can remember it telling me that I had 65 million worth of investments in my portfolio. And I can remember thinking to myself, wow, 65 million, you know, because I had started out with less, you know, with less than a million, um, like six years before that. And I had just grown to this huge amount by leveraging and leveraging and leveraging. And uh, when you get to that figure, when you start to put a figure in your head and you think to yourself, okay, I'm worth 65, that plays games with you. And what you'll find is that everything you look at thereafter is a measure based off of that high level mark, that high watermark, let's call it. And uh, I kept on thinking to myself as the market started to fall, that I would make that back and that I would get back to the level. And of course, that is a completely unrealistic view to take. You know, you have no right to that high water mark level that you reached. That was just simply the market at the absolute top. And there is no reason why you're worth that. That it just happens to be what your portfolio was worth at a moment in time. And so just bear that in mind. And the reason I say that is because I see so many of the comments in, my, uh, in the crypto group that I'm in. I see them all saying that, that how can they make back their losses? And they're talking about, can they buy some other coin that's going to kind of quadruple in value in, in a couple of days and stuff? And you can see this desperation to get back to where they were. And I can totally relate to that emotion. But the reality is, is that they're living in this kind of, what's the word, like this, this imaginary fantasy world where they think that they are worth that number that was quoted on the page and they're not they you know especially when you're in a volatile th investment uh, thing like uh, like crypto like crypto can rise and fall 20 percent in a day and in the space of the last two years like during the pandemic how much did it grow crypto has gone up by you know went from it went from 19,000 up to 65,000 and now it's back down and it's just gone below that level. And why do you think it's going to stop at that level? Like, who's to say that it doesn't go down to 10,000 or 5,000 even? Um, this is all possible because, it, because it's such a volatile market. And now we're in a, a situation that we've never been in before. We've never been in a situation where inflation is at the level it's at, when there's a war on in, and we also have China in this lockdown situation because of the COVID issues there. All of it's happening all at once and we're heading into a big recession as a result of that. And nobody knows what's around the corner. So I do think you need to be preparing for that. And if you can double your money in six months, then you can half your money in six months. And don't think that that figure that you remember as reaching, don't think that you're entitled to that number. Stop thinking that you're gonna win it back, okay? I hear that at the at the racetrack a lot. You hear you, when you when somebody puts money down on an investment and they lose it all, they start to think, okay, I'll double up this time and I'll make back everything that I lost in the last trade and I'll get back this particular trade. And that is a kind of has a careless uh, cycle that can end up going on and on. And I've seen a lot of really big banks 
where they have a trader and they call them they end up blaming the person and making him a scapegoat calling him the rogue trader and uh, they they've gone and they've brought down banks before because of that exact emotion double up double up double up and eventually it has to turn right doesn't it and that's the kind of view something to remember when you are thinking about investment and if you're thinking about you know losing money and gaining money making it back and stuff like that some important factors to remember is if you start with a hundred whatever that is a hundred euro a hundred thousand dollars a hundred million whatever it might be if your money drops by 70 percent then a 70 percent increase is not going to get you back to where you were and that's the thing about percentages that you have to be aware if you've got a hundred and you lose 70 percent you're back down to 30. in order to get back to 100 you now need to go up by 330% to get back to 100. That's just to get back to where you started. And that's how percentages work. And so whatever about, you know, if your money can fall in, you know, by 70% in a couple of months, do you think you're going to go, it could go back maybe 70% in a couple of months, but the reality is it has to go up 330% for you to get back to the same place you were at. Another thing about the, um, the emotion around all of this is that people think that they're going to win back their losses. And that is talking a little bit like a gambler again. And this makes you susceptible to scams and fraud. And this week has been an interesting week for me because I was contacted by the, the Times uh, newspaper, the Times of London, I think they call it. And they were, in, they were interested in a crypto scam that had an address at a building here in East Point. Now, the building is is in East Point, uh, but it is not. I know the occupier, and uh, and I work with these occupiers, and they are a completely legit business. But what's happened is, a scammer in Eastern Europe has gone and has created a fake website, and what they've done is to lend credibility to their website. They have gone and they've used this address of a legitimate business. And they've just put it down. And what they did as well was they actually used um, they used two Irish aliases, uh, names of Irish people, and they went and they registered this company with the CRO, and the CRO is the company registration office here in Ireland. And by doing that, it, it makes it all look very legit. You know, Irish business address, two Irish directors. And, and so from that point of view, it's quite a sophisticated scam. But these guys went and they scammed people out of a couple of million from what I've been told. Um, several, you know, there's, there's hundreds of investors involved and something like 1.3 million has been scammed out of them. And they want, the newspaper wanted to know, was I aware of this company? And I wasn't aware of the company while it was perpetrating the scam, but I was aware of it as soon as people started contacting me and asking me did this ex address exist could I go and visit the company uh, and just ask for them to be contacted and it was kind of um, it was quite sad really listening to these people it was so obvious that they had been scammed and yet they did not want to accept it and they were asking if I could go over and you know pass on a message to get a call back and I had to tell these people uh, I'm sorry but that company doesn't exist in this business park. I invoice all of the occupiers myself 
and I send them out all of these invoices and I've never heard of that company. It just does not exist. And the, the, the kind of the silence at the other end of the line or the messages that you're getting back, are you sure? Uh, it's really, it's quite sad. So this company, just, just to make you aware in case you're hearing about it, this company is called Beyond Wise and they have a, a logo of this whale and it's a crypto scam and they're making all these kind of, what they've done is they've got photographs of a building and it has an East Point address but the building is actually not a building in East Point. I think it's just some random office building somewhere in the world. And uh, I think they photoshopped the, their logo onto the front door. So it looks as if they have a big sort of sign on the front of this building. And uh, anyway, it's one of the reasons that people fall for these scams is because there's a sense, I think there's a bit of desperation in there. And also naivety, obviously. But these people were... They, you know, they were looking at this investment and the people that were promoting the investment, the scammers, they were promoting a really, really aggressive return on your investment. Like you're going to double your money in no time at all. And that is, first of all, there's an old saying, if it sounds too good to be true, it usually is. But a lot of people just, they fall for these scams and they don't realize that it is a scam. It's, it, you just, it's actually easier to be scammed than it is to be convinced that you were scammed. That is actually a, a fact that I've heard before. And um, anyway, the, the, the long and short of it is that there's a lot of scams out there. And I've actually, I'm inundated every day by um, people that are impersonating, even friends of mine, okay, guys that have appeared on this podcast, Jason Greystone and Daniel Priestley, both friends of mine, both guests on this podcast over the last couple of years. Uh, both of them have quite large followings on Instagram. And every other day I get uh, a message from a new a person that has just connected, um, uh, who's just started following me. And it is their name with an extra letter or with a, a hyphen or something like that, that you know makes it obvious to me because I know them. But they're like, hey, Gavin, how's your trading doing and all this? And they're out there obviously fishing for somebody who's naive that they can scam. And I play along sometimes and I kind of say, hey, how's it going? Great to hear from you, you know. Um, and I, they ask me questions. And what I've actually done recently is I've played along and I sort of said, where can I invest the money? And, uh, and they sent me this website and I went in and had a look at the website. And it's, it's so obvious to me that it's a scam. But to somebody out there who's not familiar or who's feeling desperate to make back their, their losses, you could be susceptible to wanting to believe this. And I think in the past I've shared my story when I was living in Spain. I was being scammed by a chap and, uh, and he, he had me for at least two weeks. I was completely convinced he was, a, he was legit until he asked for too much money from me. And that was when it, the penny dropped and I realized ah, okay, this guy is actually trying to scam me. So anyway, I'm not going to kind of dwell on that. But before I finish, I want to just go into the, the crypto market and the, you know, the fact that it's now collapsing, the stock market has collapsed. Like what is in store for the real estate market? And I don't, whilst I don't believe they are closely correlated, I do think that investment sentiment has changed. And that is going to be something 
that is going to impact the market. Um, sent, like Everything is down to sentiment. If you believe that the market is rising, then you want to be in the market. But if you believe the market is going to be falling for the next year or two, well, then you're going to want to get it out um, and you're going to want to stay out. And so I'm already looking at, there's a quite a significant downturn taking place in the US housing market now with all this extra inventory coming on the market. And so that being the case, I do think there is a risk that it does, some of that negative sentiment does come across the Atlantic and start to impact the Irish and UK market. And what's interesting is all of this was actually predicted by me about a year ago when I brought out episode number 61, I talked about inflation. And when I talked about inflation one year ago, uh, I talked about the fact that in order to fight inflation, you need to rise, uh, increase interest rates. And now we have this issue where the ECB has come out and said that they will be increasing interest rates. The Bank of England is the same. The Fed in the US has already reacted and has already lifted rates. Those rates have now more than trebled. Um, if, you're, if you're borrowing money a year ago, a 30-year mortgage was like 2%. Now it's 6% or greater. So it has really changed. And so it is going to be pushing people out. What was interesting this week was to see that the Swiss central bank um, in Switzerland has actually also lifted its rates. So I think the same issues that have kind of caused people to take stock in the stock market and in the crypto market, I think people out there will definitely take some notice of this. And it may not, it may not mean a complete crash like 2008. I don't believe that, but I do think it'll soften the market. And already there's a transaction that I have been working on that has most definitely been impacted. And people come around and they start talking about a price chip and oh you know the market's changed we got to go and you know see a little bit of a chip on the price that's how it starts and when that happens it starts to kind of spread and you'll start seeing it with other things so just be aware the big way to protect yourself is not to be highly leveraged if you are highly leveraged then you're really exposed to increasing rates if you are highly leveraged you know 10 percent of a fall in the value of your asset can bring you dangerously close to triggering a, a kind of an automatic default by your bank and things like that. So just be aware if you have the ability to pay down some of your debt, whether that's through selling off an asset and using the equity that you have from that asset to pay down some debt and maybe leave some equity aside for when the market is soft and you want to kind of go and buy back in. Think about how your asset is, is set up, okay? If you've bought a buy-to-let and you have one single tenant and this is your only investment, you want to be very, very uh, cognizant of the strength of that tenant. If that tenant it suddenly loses their job or it finds themselves you know, having a pay cut or something like that, they could suddenly find it very difficult to pay the rent. And if that's the case... 100% of your rental income is affected. This is one of the reasons why having a portfolio with eight or nine assets in it means that if you lose one tenant, you actually still have the other seven or eight to actually support your income and, uh, and to make help you make payments for the bank. Maybe you'll be a little bit tighter, but you won't have lost 100% in one failed swoop. 
And that's just something to kind of bear in mind. And this is some of the stuff that I talk about on my mastermind. If you want to give that a, uh, a look, uh, I'll be um, I'll be giving it a very quick mention next week if you are going to join that uh, meetup that I'm having on Saturday. Okay, so guys, that's it there. Of course, if you take the contrarian view that um, that a lot of people out there have and people like Warren Buffett and stuff, if you have that contrarian view, well, then you're actually quite looking forward to this recession because it's going to mean a lot of bargains are available. And um, there's a guy called Michael Burry who's famous for being the subject of that movie, The Big Short. He's the sort of the genius who saw the market collapsing. And that chap, he has been predicting this collapse for about a year now. And so it's very interesting to see. And he's obviously sees this as a huge opportunity, but he doesn't take any enjoyment because he knows people's lives are being badly impacted and stuff like that. So look, get ready, get uh, prepared, and uh, I'll speak to you next week. Thank you.